Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. This episode was recorded over Zoom because we're still work from home during COVID. I'm happy that Dara Levy, the founder of Dermaflash, was able to join me. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Fiona Stiles. She's the owner of Reed Clark. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be here with Dara Levy. She is the founder of Dermaflash. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi, Jody. Great to be here. Thank you so much for making time for us. Um, when we talked a few weeks ago, it was um, during you know COVID, and we talked a lot about how um, our businesses have evolved and changed during that time. Um, but now, you know, we're sort of in, a, in another um, space with um, the ideas of equality and racism really coming to the forefront and these conversations being really driven in social media. Um, so something that really is about, you know, organization and brand mission has become, you know, sort of um, tied to these marketing platforms. So before we learn more about you, I wanted to see, um, you know, how have you been approaching this um, since this is really a new world on social media for brands? You know, I think not only is it a new world on social media, I think we're all navigating a new world on both personal and a professional level. Um, on a professional level, you know, you can go to our Instagram and the Dermaflesh Instagram and sort of learn what we're doing and, um, you know, how what we're doing as a brand. On a personal level, for me, starting with this virus, um, you know, I just think there's this universal impact right now. And, and I personally can't remember a time in my lifetime and there probably has never been a time like we're going through right now because of the internet, because we're all, it's a global kind of, we all are connected, but we're literally connected. Every single person is being touched by the same issues at the same time. And I think it's magical, actually. I really do. I think that um, the universe, we're at a tipping point. And I feel like if you've read Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth, I mean, it's like sort of in that book, he talks about the collective consciousness. And I think it's a matter of, and I'm hopeful that it's not like, oh, today everybody's leaning in and this is what they're going to do. But I look at it, we were struck with this global pandemic. And when you look at what happened to the earth, the earth started healing itself because everybody went inside and stopped flying and stopped driving. And so in LA, like they can see the skyline and there were dolphins in the Venice Canal, jellyfish in the Venice Canal and animals coming out to sort of into their natural habitats and feeling safe and, you know, un like there weren't predators around. And I think from a personal level, my kids are grown, but I look at my friends and things that people are, families are having dinner together. They're, they're talking to their kids. They have this precious time that they might otherwise have never had. And I mean, kudos to the moms that have to homeschool because I'm fully committed to like not doing that because DCFS would be knocking at my door, but... I can't believe, I mean, my um, Samantha Murphy, who works for me, is 
leaning in, helping me do everything with my company and also homeschooling her two children. Uh, I mean, I, I look at what people are doing and how they're doing it. And I think it's a wait, an awakening. And now with, you know, what, what this tragic ending that George Floyd had, he's changed the world. I mean, 18 countries are involved and, and, and Boyk peacefully protesting. And I think that if we listen, the universe is shaking us and saying, wake up, you know, clean the earth, love each other. It's all about love and kindness and leading with sort of equal opportunity and grace and gratitude, which is how I try to live my life. I mean, I'm for sure not, you know, a little saint because I'm not, but I try. I try to be grateful and kind. And if everybody just kind of led with love, I think we'd have a much different world. Thank you, Dara. Well, um, you mentioned um, a book that I actually don't have, but to segue, I did get this. Oh, yay! <laughs> Which is did a you, book called did you start it? The Power. No, it's, um, it's right next to my bed, though. I can start it this week. Um, so during our conversation, it's going to change your life. Yeah. You told me, why is this book going to change my life? So for everyone who is obviously not with Dara and I on zoom right now, it's called the secret, the power by Rhonda Byrne. Tell me why. So I think almost everyone at some point or another heard of the book, the secret. And because it was all the rage, like, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. And it was written by Rhonda Byrne. And it's about, um, that book is really about gratitude. It's about just being grateful for, for everything from, the toast you make in the morning to, you know, just seeing everything around you and being grateful for every single bit and part of your life. And the more grateful you are, the better things are for you because we manifest our reality. If it, there's this um, universal energy, and that's what really, that's his Rhonda Burns second book, and it's what she talks about in this book, that you can visualize your reality. So what happens is the universe mirrors back to you what you give out. So if you are positive and you know things are gonna be good and you lead towards that, that's what you bring into your life. If you're negative and, oh, I can't afford this and I'm stupid or, you know, everything that sort of has been ingrained in us our whole lives, then that's what the universe brings to you. And so I try every day, like every night I go to sleep and I thank the universe for the health, happiness and you know, love that my children have and my husband and my mother and my family. And you know, I'm so grateful for my wonderful life, even when it's not wonderful. You have to give gratitude because then it becomes wonderful. And I wake up in the morning and before I get out of bed, I thank the universe for the amazing day I'm about to have. And inevitably, something amazing happens. And that book is about harnessing that energy and manifesting what you want to see in life. And there's really easy tricks you can do. Like you can say, you know, I'd be so, I'm so excited I'm going to see that white flower today. And then all of a sudden, like you'll see that white flower and it's simple little things. And it sounds hokey and, and I know it, but when you read this book, it makes so much sense. I, I do try to practice these things, but they don't always come top of mind. So maybe the book will help you know, sort of ingrain these philosophies into my everyday. Because I do know that I feel better when I'm grateful. I know that difficult situations are eased when I see a bright side or 
um, you know, if, let's say I'm having a difficult time with a client. Well, at least I have a client, right? <laughs> at least someone's right. You know, right? hired me. That's right. So, you know, to try to really refocus those energies. And I actually have lists all over my home office. <laughs> like, I'm like trying to talk to myself in this way. So I'm excited for the book. Um, I will report back um, after I read it. And I have a vision board behind me that I, you know, I kind of, when I think something, that I want something, I put it up on my vision board and it's freaky. I mean, inevitably, like I'll put it up, I'll forget about it. And then I come back and I'm like, wow, I, I, I that just happened. And I wrote it a year ago. So um, it's, it's believing in sort of everything is energy and energy spirals around us and you can't touch it and you can't, it's like when you go into a vacation place and you're like, oh my God, I want to live here. It's because everything, all the pieces and parts are energetically aligned with how you're feeling as a person and the energy that the people are giving off around you. Well, it's very interesting. I, I'm super excited because, you know, this hasn't been an easy time for business and, um, you know, the, the emotions of running the business, the emotions of COVID, the emotions of like, you know, seeing people, um, so, you know, hurting and pain and like having to, you know, look differently at the way I live my life. You know, it's all really intense, right? There's nothing not intense about this time period. And coupled with, you know, not just running the business, but trying to spend quality time with my family and my kids and, you know, working a lot more than I've ever worked before. So while they are downstairs, like I am not with them, like they are on their own. Right. Um, thankfully, right. they are nine and 12 and really um, video games is all they want to be doing anyway. Um, but, you know, I think that this book might help um, kind of screw my head back on a little bit. Every time I have, I mean, my kids are older. I have a 30 and a 27 year old. Um, but um, every time I have issues with them, I just say, please read the power. <laughs> like, it will just read the power. They won't because they're my kids. But, you know. Someone else might recommend it and then they'll say Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, um, you know, in our conversation was so interesting. I learned so much about your career journey. And I highlighted something that I thought was probably, um, I wonder if your team would agree is like sort of like a, a Daraism. You said, when I find something that is online, no one will stop me. Um, so tell me what that means to you. Um, it's my probably my greatest strength and my greatest weakness is my tenacity. Because I'm like a dog with a bone. Once I get my sights set on something, I won't stop until I've achieved that goal. And I don't take no for an answer. I've never taken no for an answer. Um, my late husband said to me like that it was the best thing I had going for me, but like on a personal level, it was the worst thing I had going for me because you might as well say yes right away because you're going to give in ultimately. So skip the battle in the middle and just cut to the, to that happy ending. So does that tenacity, does it feel like a battle often or does it feel like a journey or like an adventure? Like, what does it feel like for you now when you um, have these I mean, I, I think it depends on, on what that specific issue is, right? If it's a thorn in my side, if it's something I have to um, get rid of or change, then of course, life isn't always a bowl of cherries, right? Life isn't meant to be so like I appreciate the battle because you you don't appreciate the reward if you, if it were all a straight line up it would be easy 
But, you know, it's, a, it's kind of um, Sisyphus pushing the rock uphill sometimes, which is not fun. But um, I would say in hindsight, all of the challenges lead you to become the person you are. And at times that can be really fun. And at times it can be um, really daunting. So you started your career at a, in a woman's clothing brand. Is that right? Well, yeah. Um, I was a fashion merchandising major in college. And I, right out of college, I got, I was repping a women's clothing line and I had like a five state territory and it was a, a lot for, you know, a 21 year old. Um, but I decided really quickly that I hated it and um, that that was not what I wanted to do. So I quit my job and I got a job as a runner, which is like the lowest, lowest, lowest possible position that you could have had in those days at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which is like our version of the New York Stock Exchange. Um, it barely exists as it was anymore. There's traders in the pit screaming and yelling. And um, I started as a runner for $100 a week. And within... Um, four years, I was a member of the exchange and which is a big deal. It's like, you know, it's the last bastion of capitalism, all men. And, um, I had 15 guys working for me by the time I, um, at my apex of that career. So I had a big institutional business. I was an uphill battle. I was only one of a handful of women on the exchange as a member. And, um, it was, uh, it just, there's nothing you can't do if you decide to do it. You know, the only thing that gets in your way is you. So um, this career at the exchange, was this a, like a childhood dream of yours to be in banking or finance? Oh my God, no. <laughs> no, I, I, no, no. Um, it was sort of the um, really cool in place, like the, the, the it place to be in Chicago as far as like, I, I would liken it to um, today's uh, hedge funds, if you will, you know, where they get all the press. That's the really exciting kind of, you know, sexy world to be in. I didn't know anything about banking or finance. I am a, I'm terrible at math and never in my wildest dreams did that even occur to me as a possibility. Uh, during this time, um, were you suffering from cystic acne? Well, I was in conjunction doing, um, I was modeling and I was at the Merck. And so out of nowhere, I got cystic acne like at 21. And um, it was the, I was on I mean, the- like as a teenager, you didn't have it, but then when you turned 21, you had it? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I mean, I was modeling, so I was cute. You know, it was like, there was this, that it was devastating. And um, I got, I went on Accutane. It was first generation Accutane. I got purple blood blisters all over my face from it. It was horrific. So from that moment on, I was kind of on this journey for how do I achieve, how do I achieve perfect skin? So, that was sort of the beginning of, you know, becoming a chemist in my own bathroom and trying everything to, to make my skin not an issue. 
Uh, how do you think that affected your self-esteem during that time period? Oh, it was the worst. I, I was, um, I, I wouldn't, leave, I would go to work, but I would go home. I wouldn't leave the house. I had no social life. I was um, incredibly superficial in those days. You know, everything was kind of about how you looked. I mean, and, you know, at 21, it's a very me-centric time in your life. And um, it was horrible for me, horrible. Um, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, you, you told me that you've had some reinventions, right? So I guess you reinvented yourself from um, the fashion business into the exchange um, and then again into skincare. Um, and that's, um, you mentioned the passing of your, your first husband. Yeah. Um, so my husband was a trader at the Merck. That's, um, not where we met, but you know, how we, we were like a part, I, I always saw him every day down there. And so it's how we kind of started dating. And, um, he was just this amazing, amazing human being. And at, we had two little girls and when my kids were five and seven, my husband was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And, um, you know, I think we don't know what we're made of until we're tested. And, um, you know, at that point, I decided that my whole life was on hold and I was gonna save his life. And we battled for four and a half years. I mean, amazingly, he had seven stem to stern surgeries. He didn't eat for a year. I fed him intravenously for a year. Um, I mean, and he was amazing, never complained. And, um, but when my kids were nine and two weeks before my 12 year olds, my 11 year, she was then 11, about to turn 12, two weeks before her birthday, he died. And um, it's so funny because yesterday was his birthday. And um, oh. yeah, it's, you know what? It's like, you have to celebrate it and not make it, tra you know, it, it, it stirs up a lot, but um, I have a guardian angel that's having a lot of fun with my life right now. And it's funny because my current husband asked me yesterday, like, how, were you strong before he got sick or did his being sick make you this strong? And I think that I had the strength. You, I had a lot of strength, but it can go either way. You know, people react differently. And for me, I had to really uh, go dig deep and be strong and take care of him. And my kids sort of, I mean, they sort of were pushed to the, to the periphery, I figured I'll make it up to them after I save his life. And, um, but it, it really changes you as a human being. And it changes how you look at everything. Because really, if you have your health, you have everything. And if you don't have your health, I don't care how much money you have and possessions and everything else, all the money in the world doesn't, if you have your health, you have everything. That's um, something my grandmother has been saying for as long as I can remember. Like, that's her thing. Like, you know, you have your health. That's all that matters. A hundred percent. I remember that from when I was a tiny kid, her saying that. I mean, she's still with us and she still says it. Uh, how old is she? But it's true. 
Oh, she would never let me say that on air, but she's great. <laughs> she's another generation, right? She doesn't announce her age to the world. I, my mom's the same way and she's 90 and I'm like, wear it on a placard on your chest. It's incredible. 90. I mean, knock wood, you yes. know, I celebrate, I celebrate her, but, um, <laughs> she'd be so mad at me if I said our age, but anyway, she does, she's doing great. She lives alone. She's wonderful, but Amazing. she's always been talking about her health and, um, your health is the only thing that matters. All you have is your health. And, you know, I think that's really hard for a lot of us to remember, um, right? Because we're so... Well, you take either, it for granted. Yeah, and, like, obsessed with these other things that are happening in our lives, like, you know, work or, you know, some a, a neighbor saying something that we didn't like or, you know, not being able to go to the food store the way that you want, like, all these things, right? We, um, I mean, maybe that's why I need, I need the power. Everybody needs the power, um, right, to remind us of how to um, use our brains in more productive ways. Yeah. And it's, again, it, you know, I think that the human body is such an amazing thing. And like when everything goes right, it's, it's, it's easy to take for granted, right? Because thank God most of us are healthy mm -hmm. and don't have mm -hmm. to think about that. But when you don't have that and every, everything falls apart, everything. So all of the things that like your good health allows you to have, like to work and and to socialize and to eat out and all of the, well, eat out, you know what I mean, when we could <laughs> eat out, um, that all goes, it means nothing. So um, after he passed, were you like jumping right back into a career or did you take time off? No, I took a lot of time off, actually. I um, It's funny, we... I, I, for, I think it was because it was his birthday yesterday. We were just talking a lot about, you know, sort of what happened after his death. I never worried. Like I said, you know, I know I'll be able to find a job. I know I'll be able to support my kids. I wasn't actively figuring out how I would do that because I was reeling and quite honestly, um, it was hard to get out of bed for a really long time too, you know, but like you have to go on, you have no choice. So I dallied around, I, um, I, I helped somebody raise money for a fund. I was still kind of, in, you know, going that way. Um, but I was constantly, I was keeping my skin up, you know, so I kept going and getting dermaplaned every month and, when I opened my spa, it was because I was tired of going to the back of a beauty shop for facials and to a dermatologist for Botox and to a plastic surgeon's office for dermaplaning and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I decided to put the best of the best under one roof, trademarked my dermaplaning facial Dermaflash because that was the foundation of everything we did at the spa because I had been such an avid dermaplaner. And the universe just had a plan. And that's how I look at it. Like, why did I trademark it with that name? Why, you know, it's just, it's, it, 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 it's been, it was my positivity, I think, that led me to where I am today. Hey, everybody, it's Jody. I know I'm interrupting this great podcast, but I do have an important message and it concerns the legal health of your business. I just did a recording recently with Steve Wagler of Emerge Council, and he taught me so much about um, how important it is to trademark your business the proper way. 
And he actually met me um, when he was considering starting his own brand. And what I didn't realize at the time was that he's an expert in brand protection and he represents a number of small and even huge beauty brands. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you need to listen to this episode, but I would say that some of the most important ones are policing the market against counterfeiters. Like this is a huge thing in our industry right now. Um, protecting the secrecy of product formulations, having strong, protectable brand names and unique packaging, enforcing MAP pricing policies and distribution channels and documenting terms and conditions and all the really important stuff, even influencer marketing, like everything like needs to be protected. So um, I really like Steve, his episodes full of really important information. And Steve is a lawyer and he understands that legal stuff can sometimes be a drain or a bore, but it's so important for the health of your business. So please call Steve. He offers a free initial consult, which I think is really great. Get to know him. He wants to get to know your business. And please tell him that I sent you. So you can go to EmergeCouncil.com, E-M-E-R-G-E-C-O-U-N-S-E-L.com, or call Steve at 1-800-EMERGE-0. So that's 1-800-E-M-E-R-G-E-0 which is a very cool phone number, and ask for Steve. Um, we have to protect the legal health of our business as much as we protect our distribution and our innovation. So this is really important stuff. Let's talk about that name because it is so awesome. I want to hear what some of the names that you were thinking of that didn't make the cut. Oh my God. I don't even remember, to be honest with you, because... I was looking for just the treatment name for dermaplaning because everyone just called it dermaplaning. And right. uh, and it, it, quite honestly, I don't remember. Like, uh, it came to me and I was obsessed with it. And it, again, like, it was the perfect storm. I only had dermaflesh.net. I had to buy dermaflesh.com, but somebody owned it. And, you know, I reached out to him and it... It was crazy. It was just like what was going on in his life. He was willing to sell it to me. And, but I didn't, we didn't even use dermaflash.com for anything at that point. It was just, you know, still derm, my, my spa's name, but we called it dermaflash. So it's just, it kind of sat there in a parking lot. Oh, so you, um, this idea of dermaflash was really a, an investment in your future. It wasn't, you didn't need it in that moment. Well, I mean, I wanted to own the name because it was our signature facial. So mm-hmm. um, that was important to me. And if you looked for that facial, you would get to us. But um, no, I mean, I was I have a very big macro kind of appetite. I don't think about, oh, I'm going to have this spa and that's going to be all I'm going to do for the rest of my life because I'm just not that girl. I'm like the phoenix and rising from the ashes and like on to the next thing, you know, And um, I just, we were, I decided I wanted to develop a skincare line, not just for my spa, but, you know, I was going to be the next Estee Lauder because I don't think small, you know. And um, we couldn't come up with what the hero ingredient was going to be. And um, one day I was in the shower and I screamed at the top of my lungs, oh my God, it's Dermaflash. And I went running, soaking wet, naked, out of the shower, screaming, it's Dermaflash, it's Dermaflash. And called my husband and 
I, I started like calling people. I know what it's going to be. I know what we're going to do. And I got some really, really, really good validation that this was a good idea. And, um, you know, I went to somebody, the person that had done the George Foreman grill, like the biggest infomercial of all times. And I told him my idea and he loved it. And, you know, I just kept getting all of this validation and I sold my spa and I got to work and like the rest is history. It, you know, the difference between Dermaflash and a red lipstick is that I created an entirely new category in beauty. And that's exciting. It doesn't really happen very often. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about this like macro view and all this ambition. Um, I often think that way too, like really big. And I like, I feel like my superpower is being 10 steps, 10 steps ahead or maybe even more. But that's hard from a leadership perspective when your team doesn't think that way, right? So give me some advice on how to like help uh, you know, when I say things to my team, sometimes they're looking at me like, what? Right. Because I've already jumped those steps. Right. And I'm to, I'm to that. Right. But that's it's a lot of catching up for people to do. And I recognize that, you know, sometimes I sound crazy or insane or like completely misguided. But in my heart, I'm like, I know this is the right path. And you have to, um, you so I need I need some advice here. Like I really do, because they stare at me and like I don't I don't even know how to articulate that catch up because it to me, it's just instinct. Well, it's sort of. um I liken it to the spaghetti on the wall theory, right? So I, I'll throw out ideas that are like sometimes too many, sometimes like all at once and my team gets like overwhelmed, but you like throw all the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. Um, my, um, somebody that used to work for me used to say that I see it on the shelf first and then I go back. And I would say that that's sort of the way to put it. It's like, I can visualize what this is going to be. I'm not quite sure of the path that's going to lead us there, but let's figure it out. Let's lean in and roll up our sleeves and work together to figure out how to make this happen. You know, it's, um, it's like wanting something to come to fruition badly enough that you kind of manufacture it in your brain and it comes to fruition. But getting the team to like sort of buy into that, it can be a challenge. So right, I like this idea of like actually like knowing that when I say something that sounds like, you know, preposterous to them or just like where did that come from to then follow up and say, that's my end vision. Help me get there. Yeah. Right. Maybe I'm just leaving them in a void and they're just like, what is Jody talking about now? But like if I articulate that I know that this is the end goal and I need your help to get us there, then maybe they can be like a little more at ease with, you know, the way. My and actually, works. thank you. You've just given me a tip because I'm sure that my team wishes I would do that, too. I mean, I'm just like, we're going to do this. And then they're like, OK, How? But inevitably, we get that how done, you know, it's like figure it out. But I think sort of um, articulating the fact that I'm seeing it as, on the shelf. I, this is how I right. want it to be. Now, how do we get it there? And it's like, I want to come up with a new hero device. And that's in my head. I want a third device. And I'm thinking and I, you know, I'm like, OK, I want a third device. I want to launch it by X. What's it going to be? That's no small feat, right? Right. But it'll happen. Yeah, I love this. Maybe I feel like I need to wear a name badge um, that says, um, I, I'm here 
wait, I have an idea, but I need you to help me get there. Ooh, right? I love like, just that. Like a, re- a reminder, right? I like a reminder it. to me and a reminder to them. Now my team on Zoom. Um, yeah, I, I one so one of my team tells me that the, the, the that I'm very definitive. So um, Robin, my team tells me that that scares her so much, right? Because I'm like so definitive, like I I feel so confident in my you know m- many of my decisions. But that's like a scary feeling for people to be around, like when they when they don't think that way, right? Um, most people aren't super definitive. Um, because most so people are a little bit scared, right? They're, they like to be in their comfort zone in the little bubble that do the, you know, you do this all day and then you go home and you put that on the side and you do this, but you don't really get anywhere magical in life. If you think, if you think micro, if you think in a bubble, yeah, I, I will describe it as magic. I think that women are magical beings anyway. Like I, I have, you know, no scientific proof of this, but I, I do feel like we have like this magic in our fingers and um, magic energy and we can really do make anything happen that we want. Um, so yeah, I think I just need to reframe. Thank you for your advice on this. Reframe some of these conversations so that I'm not met with dead air and that people actually know what they can take action on. Um, I think it's a lonely place to be sometimes with these visions. Yeah. And I think it's a good, it's actually a good lesson for me, what you've just given for me, because I, I throw a lot of spaghetti on the wall. Sometimes it's like way too much. So it's like saying, you know, okay, this is, this is the template. Let's figure out how to make it a, a thing. Well, Dara, I'm so excited we got to talk today. I am literally looking forward to seeing what this third device, what happens with this idea. Me too. Um, I have no idea. (laughs) Um, And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Thank you, Jody. Let's stay in touch. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dara. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.